Leadership Podcast with Jared Graydeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybuell. Um, as promised, every month we come out with a new episode. It's typically a 15 to 20 minute teaching on business and or leadership, um, practical advice in the workplace. Um, but from time to time, we're blessed with the opportunity to have an interview uh, or to have somebody on to interview so we can add more value to the show, more value to our listeners and the audience. Uh, whether you're jumping on YouTube and watching or wherever you're, uh, wherever you're listening to us at. Um, and today, um, I'm super happy to introduce you to Tammy Hearman. She's a global leadership consultant who specializes in women's leadership. And uh, we'll get to how we met each other in, in just a minute. Um, but Tammy, thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, and how are you doing today? I'm great, Jared. Thank you for having me. Excited yeah, about absolutely. today's chat. I did say your last name right, right? You did, yep. Cool. I'm like so insecure about last names, you know, and even when you say it right in your mind, you're like, wait, did I, you know, and so good. We, we <laughs> you nailed up. it. Cool. So, um, so Tammy, if, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? That way um, the audience knows a little bit more about you than my general introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So for the past 20 years, I have really spent my time in leadership development. And I've done that in every aspect you can imagine. Inside organizations, running projects, ultimately to be the head of leadership development, to working in consulting as an instructional designer and a, 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 the global lead for um, women in leadership. So I've seen kind of end to end every aspect of, of leadership development. I am now on my own in my own consulting organization and really focusing on uh, women in leadership and, and helping women advance in organizations. That's awesome. Hey, what, uh, we'll just kind of jump right in. What got yeah. you to be so passionate about, I mean, obviously you are a woman, but aside from that, was there any, like, was there an instance or a, an, something that happened that inspired you to focus primarily on women's leadership? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there is. Um, at the time, I was uh, leading the practice for leadership development programs at a global consulting company. And, you know, as we all are, you're busy, you have your plate full. And my CEO at the time came to me and, and put this project on my desk and basically said, make this work. And what had happened was he was good friends with a buddy of his and his daughter started an organization uh, helping to advance women. And she was looking for a partner and he wanted to be able to help. So he gave it to me and said, make this work. And at first I thought, oh God, this is just what I need. Another project that we're not probably going to get paid for uh, on yeah. my desk. And slowly what happened is as I was helping develop programs with them and helping to facilitate roomfuls of women, I started hearing the same stories over and over. And then I went through the journey myself. I got married, I had a daughter, I struggled with infertility, I was trying to get promoted and, and uh, advance, and, and it's tough, and it's really yeah. tough. And so it became a passion of mine as I kind of lived the journey as I was helping other women with their journeys. Wow. So for the past 10 years, that's what I've been focused on. That's really cool. And I, I want to get into some of the more maybe specific stories and experiences that you've had with women uh, over the past, um, you said 12 years that you've been focusing on this specifically? Specifically, yeah, for the last decade. Um, but 
before we do that, I want to or at least let the audience know, you know, how do we come about? Like, how did, uh, how did I meet you? And, and, um, so a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, given the opportunity to be a, a panelist at the Jacksonville women's leadership forum. And Tammy was actually the keynote speaker at the Jacksonville women's leadership forum. And, um, I was a panelist on her panel and, uh, she spoke about her upcoming book, which is currently an ebook, and we'll talk about that for a second. And I definitely want to get more information on the book, um, your progress on that, and stuff like that. Um, and the ten things about what I'm really excited to kind of cover that for the for the audience. But uh, if you're cool with that, but yeah, um, so we were able to meet there, and then um, on the way out, because uh, I'm, you know, I'm good at socializing to an extent, but I usually burn myself out, and this was like a full day thing. And so by the time we were leaving, like, I haven't spent a whole day in one place and longer than I can tell you, first of all, you know what I mean? Like, um, but on the way out, Lainey had mentioned that she brought up the podcast to you. And I, that's why I love Lainey. One of the many reasons, right? Because she's always thinking about the next opportunity when I'm like, I need to get out of here, you know? <laughs> and I like, I've probably never spent a whole day in a, in a room, 99.9% .9 of women either. So um, I was trying to get out and Lainey had brought that up. And I you fit the podcast perfectly. And, and I thought, you know, how often am I going to have the opportunity to have a, a, a leadership consultant who specializes in women's leadership, right? I don't typically surround myself or get the opportunity to surround myself with people in that, in that specific region. So i um, super excited to have you and for the audience, that's how we know each other. Um, so Tammy, how did you, cause I know that you've always been in business prior to specializing in women's leadership. How did you really get your start in, in, in leadership? How did you begin to advance yourself? Where, where did that happen? Yeah. So it's funny, Jared, as, as I was kind of looking back and reflecting, what I realized is that I've always sought leadership positions um, and, you know, starting with small L leadership. Um, even when I was young, whether it was you know, applying for student council or being a team sports manager when I was no longer good enough to make the team to actually play. Uh, and so that was something I, I realized I kind of always put myself out for. But where it started formally um, was in an organization. And I was lucky because I had a great boss in that organization and he literally wrote books on leadership. But what he said was that I don't select leaders the team selects leaders. And what he meant by that was Good. you must demonstrate leadership skills before you're formally, you know, say so you are now a manager. Yeah. And so that when you are advancing, the team says, yeah, that's right. She deserves it. Like what took you so long about time? And, and that's kind of where I, I started. And he always was testing us. So, um, he was always looking for those those moments when you know does she, does she have what it takes? Can he kind of stomach these these leadership tasks? And I remember distinctly, um, I was running a large project and a, a big team kind of was was executing this project. And of course, they didn't report to me, uh, but I was I was leading the project. It was my responsibility. And as what happens, something went wrong, and I had to address this challenge with a person who was way older than me, way more experienced, um, you know, just really, really uh, kind of from a leadership perspective should have been um, 
well, A should have known better, but, but B was more experienced than me. And so when I was telling my boss about this, he said, well, I can talk to this person, but you know, it's better if you do. What do you think? Do you got what it takes? And I knew there was no answer other than, yes, I will do this. Um, and I did, and I prepared, and I practiced, and I thought I was going to throw up during that conversation. <laughs> but um, I did it. And, and he said, okay, this is one of those moments where, you know, she didn't dodge the hard conversation. She did what it, it took. And shortly after that, I was, I was promoted into my first people management position. And after that, again, was tested again and again with various aspects of business and, and leadership. And I was promoted four times in six years wow. um, because I continually kind of pushed myself into areas um, of discomfort and improving myself, if you will. That's awesome. That's a great story. Mm. So how old were you when that, that first opportunity presented itself? God, now you're having me think back. Um, well, how old was I? Well, I would have been probably mid-30s. Okay. Early um, 30s, mid-30s, yeah. Okay. And yeah. so I think like the, the opportunity that presented itself really was conflict resolution or like really um, presenting conflict. And that's one, I think we got to talk about that um, at the Women's Leadership Forum, but mm -hmm. most leaders' inability to address conflict and, and how they avoid it. So yeah. you got, like you got <laughs> thrown right into the mix, you know? <laughs> Well, it definitely felt like conflict, but of course, what we know is that it was about having courageous conversations with people where you had no authority over. I mean, this person didn't report to me, uh, but it was, it felt like conflict. Yeah. And then certainly it, it, you know, our relationship, it took a while to get back on track, but it definitely felt like conflict in the moment. Yeah. So how did you take it when you had to address that with him? Um, it, uh, it was tough for that person to hear because I think, you know, they're masterful at what they did. And I think they, um, you know, had a, a, a different agenda or, or something on the go and it was conflicting. So it didn't, you know, they were a bit angry with me. Um, but the relationship prevailed over, over the long term. That's awesome. Yeah. What, um, so early, you know, early on, as you began to grow, you said you were promoted four times in six years. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think set you apart? Right. If you get to brag on yourself for a minute, what do you think set you apart from everybody else within the organization that allowed you to grow quicker than maybe everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a few things. So the first is, could I build a business? So of course, you know, senior leaders, they want to see that you can make money for them. So could I build a business? Could I hit my targets? Could I build a plan? Could I, you know, kind of do the sales? Could I do all of that with the support of teams, obviously, but could I build a business? So that was the first piece. Um, and then to build a business sustainably over the long term, you have to make sure that you build a great team. So one of the things that I was always well known for was building a great team, giving great feedback, coaching, mentoring. Um, you know, I had a real kind of loyal team that I always, um, you know, they knew I had their back, that I was always looking for ways to develop them. And, and ultimately, I knew I couldn't advance unless I had a successor or someone to take my place. So that was always kind of the goal. So I think I proved myself that I could build a business and, and build the team to, to have it outlast me. For sure. That's awesome. I, you know, I think that really can be applied to everybody in business or even in, you know, if you're a nonprofit or if you're in a, 
in a group setting or in sports, team sports, right? Can you drive, whether it's sales or can you figure out how to win? Um, but can yeah. you do it with a group of people consistently? Um, yeah. And I think one of the most important things that you said was you always had their back loyalty, right? Like, because what I've experienced, because I've worked in a lot of um, sales driven environments. So I've experienced uh, a group of people all working for their own self interests that ultimately can help a team reach a goal, but they don't do it as a team, right? Eight sales guys hitting their quota helps the manager hit his quota, but yeah. none of them work together. So I've experienced that too, where everybody has their own agenda. Um, but then I've, I've, I've experienced the latter where you have to work as a team. You know, what we do now, there's no way we would have a culture that we have if we all were working in our own self-interests. And so it's important as a team leader to, for your people to know that you have their back instead of your uh, personal agenda being the most important. So that's all. Yeah, well, it's funny you give that example because I think in sales, as an example, it, it's, it's a very common fallacy that a great sales person is going to make a great sales leader. Yeah. And, and what you're describing, you know, can you, you hit your targets, you're blowing them out of the water, great. But can you help motivate a team yeah. to do that? That's a very different skill set. It is. And I think one of the things I found early on um, when I had to transition from being a salesperson to a sales manager, to a general manager was um, that, and I don't know if you can relate because I don't know specifically what it was like early on for you, but for me as a salesperson and even as a sales manager, at least 90% of my time was driven by like, I, we didn't work as a team. We had to get our sales, you know? Um, so then when I had to transition to, to be a GM, it was like, how do I get everyone to do what I did individually. So I had to make that transition from like, I don't get to sit on the phones all day and go out alone. I've got to bring people. So now I've got to like slow down and like bring people with me instead of running at the pace that I like to go alone. You know what I mean? So that was the toughest thing for me. I think the most rewarding is, is finding that balance of how do I keep pace, but teach people how to keep that pace with me. Um, yeah. In, in their way. Cause they might not always do it. Um, you know, in the way you want to, but yeah. they'll still get what works for them. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's humbling yeah. too. It's really humbling because when you're a salesperson and you're good at it, you think, well, my way is the best way. But then you realize different personalities, everyone's different, their dynamics, what drives them, what motivates them, even how they produce looks different. And sometimes they can produce better than you with a different way. And so that was like, it, it blew my mind over and over again. Like, how are they hitting these goals, but they're not doing it the way that I did it, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the other things I discovered was that uh, when I could build that type of relationship with my team, they helped me grow. So as an example, when I was really trying to let go of all the details and delegate more and focus on the more strategic aspects, uh, I engaged them in that. And so I had, you know, one very specific person who kind of called me out regularly. Okay, Tammy, do you need to be doing that? Or can someone else do that? Yeah. Can I take that off your plate? What? And, and so, you know, I helped them grow. They helped me grow just as much. And, and yeah. you need to create that that uh, type of, of bond. Maybe not with everyone on your team, <laughs> but certainly yeah. a good core of them. And you'll always know who that person is, I think. Um, so being able to identify that person early on in your team, like that's the person that holds me to a, a, re a new regular standard all the time. This is the person who's always supportive, regular. You know what I mean? Like you have your different people in your team. I think as, as long as they're always growing in their own way, is how they yeah. keep up. 
you know what I mean? But like you said, it looks different for everybody. Like everybody's pace looks different. Um, yeah. as long as they're moving forward, I think is the most important part. Um, so yeah, I did have a question, um, that I'm really interested in your perspective on. So, um, do you think that male leaders should look at how they develop women into leadership roles differently than they, how they develop men? For example, should their approach or possibly how they communicate be different? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a tricky question. Um, it's tricky because on the one hand, I strongly believe uh, leadership is leader leadership. There is no gender specific rules for leadership. So, you know, every leader needs to, you know, be strategic, influence, build the team, da, 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 all of those capabilities. Um, and no one wants to be uh, promoted or hired into a role to hit some sort of diversity numbers. So leadership is gender agnostic. That's the one side of it. And so people would argue, no, we shouldn't do anything special or specific. And yet, <laughs> I know on the other side of the coin, uh, there is countless research and, and statistics yeah. and biases and stereotypes. I mean, every, everyone knows them now. It's become so, so um, you know, mainstream and in the conversation in organizations that we can't ignore that there's some patterns. Um, I don't think it's always specific to a male leader, uh, you know, that has to watch for these things. It can be a male or a female. But what are some of these things? I'll give you a yeah, good point. Example. Good point. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I'm a male leader, so. <laughs> Um, and I'm doing all of biases, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one thing is, um, you know, uh, women may not, uh, there's lots of research on may not raise their hand or put themselves out there for projects or promotions or whatever, maybe as readily as, as men do. And so, if we know that, then managers can have different conversations with women if they spot that. What do you think is possible for you? What type of thing scares you the most? And, and what would you need to do to feel confident in that? Um, how can we make things feel more possible for you? So just a nuanced conversation if we're seeing those kinds of patterns that the women aren't saying, hey, I want to try that. Um, that would be one example. Or um, if we know that women have uh, very different networks than men, usually less mentors, less sponsors, less access to um, senior decision makers, uh, then how do we help, um, you know, help the women on our team get those opportunities to get known by important decision makers or to get known by their manager because they're not going out to, you know, they was in play basketball or hockey or go to this or that or um so I, I think we have to be mindful all of us of these types of patterns and you know research proven things that we know are out there um when we're develop developing women and other minorities for sure okay that's really good so yeah. just i i think maybe one of the best ways to answer that is to understand as a leader male or female to understand diversities like women and um minorities better is how you lead them better just understanding their perspective um so even as a female leader understanding the the the, the studies and the research on how men are different in the workplace too right um mm. which is oh, really for sure. i never really thought or recognized that um and my role is so in this season is so different um, or it's so special 
and I never intentionally worked it out this way, but our office, all of our sales, marketing, event staff is female. Um, and then all of our kitchen is male. And so I'm sure it has a lot to do with like-minded people attract like-minded people. So I hired one girl and then she, you know, met another girl that was really great. And same with the kitchen. I have one great cook and it was a dude and he ran into his buddy and then, you know what I mean? Um, but I have these groups, so they're not diverse in in and of themselves, but they're diverse by themselves. And so I, I read when I came up with this question, it was like, I wonder how, if I lead differently, do I communicate with the office staff differently than I do with the kitchen staff? And I do it because do I do it because of their gender or because of their roles? Because I do think that how you communicate with digital marketing people is different than how you would communicate with a a staff of chefs. You know what I mean? So am I doing it because their role or because their gender? Um, And I really began to ask myself that question during and after the, the leadership, the women's leadership conference, like, you know, there's instances where, and this is just, you know, maybe being transparent. If one of the girls messes up, I'm easier on them than I would Mm. be if one of the guys messed up because I'm a guy, they're guys. And I call Chris and I say, how the heck did you mess this up? You really dropped the ball. And, Mm. and in my mind, he's thick skinned. He's tough. He can take it. But I wouldn't, even now, even though I'm trying to continuously and consciously create equality, even now I wouldn't necessarily call one of the girls and say, Hey, you really messed this up. You know what I mean? Like I would probably be like, Hey, can we talk about this? Um, I really feel like you dropped the ball. (laughs) I would be much more sensitive. Do you think that that's appropriate or do you think that I'm, that I should be the same? Well, it's interesting. So yes and no. So (laughs) typical consultant answer, I'll explain. Um, So I think you're keying in on two things. So one is, um, and there's lots of research to support this, that actually women receive less feedback than men. And, uh, and that oftentimes, uh, we're scared to hurt their feelings, which is kind of what, yeah. what it's like you're describing, right? That we don't yeah. want, or that we're afraid there'll be an emotional outburst or crying or tears or whatever it may be. Um, and so, you know, one, we have to, we have to deal with that. Everyone deserves uh, good feedback, deserves uh, good, uh, you know, conversations with their managers to help understand what worked, what didn't work, how do I, you know, advance, whatever it may be. Um, so there's that side of the, of the conversation is, um, I think that's something you want to be careful of when you're saying, uh, am I doing this because she's a woman, he's a man, and am I treating them differently? So I think you should watch that. I think everyone should watch yeah. that. I think what you are keying in on, which we should do, is no matter who the person is, how do I understand how they best hear feedback? And I can list just as many men who like to have their feedback um, couched or softened with some, you know, more context around it. Like, hey, (laughs) let's talk about what happened last week or or yesterday. Um, You know, sure, you're not feeling great about it. You know, what happened? Um, Let's talk about you know, moving forward. Da, da, da. So there's just as many men who would appreciate that kind of approach because um, our styles are gender agnostic. We, some people like more directness. Some people like to have a bit more kind of couching and, and softness and context in their conversations. So that's, I think if you're willing to adapt to a person, that's the right thing to understand their cues and how they like to be dealt with. But we can't look at it based on gender and he's tough and she's not that that's what we have to kind of break through 
I think that's really good. I, and um, for the audience, and I, I typically like to, at least the way my mind works, I like to just generalize responses. So correct me if I'm wrong, but basically you're saying we shouldn't manage or lead genders differently. We should manage or lead people differently. Yeah, individuals and really yeah. uh, understand kind of what their needs are and how do we how do we get the most of them? How do we connect with them? Yeah. Um, and it's interesting in, uh, you know, in my past life, I, I worked a lot with uh, psychologists and, and assessment professionals and, and got a lot into the data around, around things like this. And it's funny that most people in the world um, like to be direct with others. I'm gonna tell you, Jared, how it is, but when you speak with me, please be soft and kind yeah. with me. That is the general pattern, the normalized pattern for most human beings. Um, that being said, you know, some people say, just give it to me straight. Just tell me. Yeah. But they don't <laughs> usually actually want it straight. Um, <laughs> well, but, but it's, it's, it's doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman. In yeah. That instance. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good. I think it's really important. You said something earlier that I want to bring back up. The studies show that women on average receive less feedback. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. um, is that overall or is that by male leadership? Like, does that mean that women leaders also fail to give other women equal feedback too? Yeah, so I'm not quite sure. So this, the, the study that I'm referencing was done in a, a large global technology company. It was published in HBR, I think, last year. And um, <laughs> the sad part is most organizations of that population uh, where you would have a, a good enough sample size to be able yeah. to make some conclusions, um, most of the management team will be heavily skilled skewed towards males. So yeah. I, I don't think they did that, at least they didn't publish any gender specific um, data on that point. However, what they did find was that, um, you know, women received less, just less in general, and what was their tend to focus on communication. So when the word assertive was used in a negative connotation, it was used 70% of the time, it was like 70-30, 70% of the time with women, 30% of the time with men. Um, and so that's the good old assertive aggressive uh, stereotype at play. Um, so that's another thing we have to watch for. And it'd be interesting. I don't know if you ever have big team meetings uh, where your two teams are mixed. So you have a gender mixed meeting, but oftentimes men and women, you know, we hear someone say something dissenting or uh, maybe with some passion and emotion and we judge the women more harshly for it. That's a very well-known stereotype. Um, so it's just something that all managers kind of have to watch for. Wow. So based off the, the HBR study, and this is if we were making assumptions, we could probably assume that the feedback fallacy was from male leaders because those companies probably predominantly had male leaders. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that. I don't know. I think the answer is I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'd be really interested to look, up, look that up on my own, like to see if women fall into that same like if women fail to also give women equal feedback, you know? Well, I think they probably do. I think, um, you know, one of the most famous uh, bias kind of tests is the implicit association test. And anyone can do it for free online. It's been going on for, for uh, a long time. And women, I filled it out myself. Think leader, think male. I myself was, you know, ranking uh, male characteristics as more leaderly than, than wow. female characteristics. 
we all do. And, and so I think that's something that we have to really, um, that's the battle right now. Yeah. <laughs> that's the battle. How do we make leadership equal um, non-gender specific uh, right. characteristics? Be about the skills and conversations like this, you know, just more of them. Um, mm-hmm. Because awareness is really the first step, right? Awareness is key. If we as leaders know that we need to make a conscious effort to give equal feedback, then that's just continue to push that message. I think that's how we do it, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, I have another question for you. What's the greatest piece of advice that you would give uh, women specifically who are looking to advance in their roles, knowing yeah. that we're in that we're making a transition here or a strong transition to equality, but it doesn't necessarily make it easier right now. What would you say to women trying to grow? Yeah. So if I had to sum it up, you said I could only give one. So if I had to sum it up. I would say to use your mindset. I mean, our mindset and our beliefs are our biggest asset because they shape our behaviors. They shape what we think is possible. And I would say use that mindset for good instead of evil. So be your own best ally instead of your own worst enemy. And I'll, you know, one way that comes through and we touched on it is just believe in your potential, believe that you belong there, that you can be there in leadership roles. Um, one of the just most heartbreaking pieces of research that I ever read was, um, it was Corn Ferry and the Rockefeller Institute, and uh, they interviewed all the current and former female CEOs of Fortune 1000 companies. And 65% of those women, those CEOs, said that they never thought they'd be a CEO until someone else told them they had the potential. Yeah, I and I, when I read, yeah, we talked about that in the in the panel and then my heart just sank. I mean, come on, these are the, some of the most powerful women in positions and even they needed a little poking and, and prodding. And so I would say to women, just, first of all, believe that you can and that you deserve and you should be uh, there. And it doesn't mean you have to be CEO, but that you can yeah. you know, grow and, and develop and advance if you want to. So that's what my... I, my I uh, probably kind of corny, but I have the chills. But I remember that when we talked about, or when you brought that up in the um, during your speech during the panel, and that is that is really enlightening, fairly heartbreaking, but also very commonsensical, right? Like if you look back, at least if I look back in in my life, and I remember instances where I made like leaps, there was always like one person that was like, Jared, I bet you could do that, and I'm like. I never thought about that. You know what I mean? Like, and it's amazing how just when, when somebody speaks life into you, um, how much more there is. And then of course, and we could, we could talk about this particular subject for a long time, but it's, it's how are we speaking into women in the organization, right? Because of this, because if we look back at history, right, males have always predominantly been leaders. So there's the assumption that the next leader like the next CEO will be a man. And so until we start saying like, Hey, everyone has an opportunity, like you can do it. You can do it. You know, instead of making those assumptions again, that will continue to advance only men. But, um, so belief in yourself and then maybe surrounding yourself with the right type of people that speak life into you, you know? Cause well, that's, that's- cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Whether people call it their, their tribe or their advisory board or support group, whatever you call it, yeah. that is absolutely critical is just um, having a few people around you that will give you the straight goods. So you don't want people just, you know, blowing sunshine <laughs> up yeah, here. Yeah. So there's no realism there. You want inspiration, but you also you know, want to hear some, some helpful feedback that will help yeah. you grow too but absolutely those that's that's the people you need loving critics i was at a, a huge conference the other day and this woman called it loving critics and i think that's yeah. exactly yeah they have that's, your best interest in heart but they'll tell you the real the real deal <laughs> yeah that's i mean you know i'm a christian and so i always relate things usually back to uh how jesus led and the way that i would explain just truth and grace right yeah always have i mean sometimes people leaders err too side too far on the side of grace where they're just unreal with their encouragement and that can get people in trouble you can yeah. you can fall hard um but then some people are too truthful right like <laughs> so balancing the truth and the grace is just a loving critic i think that's so good um and i think that's, that's a big, putting it i like that truth and grace yeah big piece of advice for any leader any leaders listening um so you mentioned uh being your own ally and being your own worst enemy and it, it, it reminds me of your book is the book mm. called why not me so the ebook is called why not me uh the full-length book i'm currently working on uh i just have some working titles so i won't okay. <laughs> i won't say those right now okay all right yeah because i have the ebook so i wasn't sure if that would be the book um but let's talk a little bit about that you, you mentioned um during the panel and i imagine this would be part of the book um, the 10, I think, mistakes um, that women make. What do you think are a couple of the, or people, maybe people? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the 10 ways that women are their own worst enemies. Are their own worst enemies. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'll be careful. Yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I mentioned a few of them already, you know, not believing your potential, kind of networks, that kind of thing. Um, but I'll leave you with an interesting, an interesting one. Uh, it's a bit, sometimes controversial is uh, women oftentimes are the brunt of the grunt work and they unknowingly take it on themselves. So trying to be a, a really good team member, or, you know, be socialized that way as young girls or to, to help always be helpful is another thing. Young girls are socialized. And so in the workplace, sometimes that gets you um, labeled as the work mom or the work wife or the this or the that. And, and you're picking up all of these tasks, which take away from how you're known uh, what you can accomplish and that if people always look at you as doing tactical things administrative things uh, out of the goodness of your heart you're just trying to be a good team player it undermines you it undermines uh, your contributions and so I think that's something that um, women can can look look at and, and wow. see if that's and men as well. I had a, um, some male leaders say, my God, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that happen on my team. So um, that's another really interesting one that's, that's outlined in the ebook. Yeah. And I think we got to talk about that a little bit, but it's sort of learning how and when to say no, right? Like what, what new tasks or responsibilities actually belong on your resume? Um, and what is just being asked of you because you're the nice person at the office, you know? Yeah. So that's really important. Yeah. Um, for everybody, really, because I've seen it in both males and females. And, and it's sometimes, um, I, you know, I can recall instances where I've been like, you know, you can say no, right? Like, <laughs> um, I'd like you to do this, but I can tell that you kind of don't want to. And I don't want yeah. you to do anything you feel. So, you know, you can say no. And then people begrudgingly are like, can I not? 
do that? And you're like, yes, you don't have to do this, you know? Um, so I think people, people learning to say no is super important. Um, so Sammy, we got a, we got a couple more minutes and I got like two more questions for you. You got time for two more questions? Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say are the top three characteristics uh, for any leader? Hmm. Um, God, there's so many, but um, it's, it's funny. For years, I, I did a lot of competency work uh, for organizations. And what I found is that we have such unrealistic expectations of what good leaders should be. And we put them on these pages of like lists of competencies and we, we expect them to be superhuman. But for me today, the top three is more about being human than it is about being of super. Um, so I would say the first is being able to create a, a vision and purpose for uh, for the people kind of in your yeah. in your team organization. We have droves of people kind of walking in and out of organizations just in this you know malaise, which has led to all these books on find your purpose and your you know your core mission in life and all these things, which is great. But a lot of people just want to work for a great organization and have yeah. the stability of that. Um, so as leaders, we have to make them feel a part of something. So that's that's the first, connecting to vision and purpose. The second is courage. Um, we have fearless business leaders. That's not a problem, but we have really fearful leaders to have those conversations, to give that feedback, to, you know, talk to their colleague about something. Um, so courage to, to kind of have, have those, uh, those important conversations. And the third, I would say, is connection. So really being able to connect to people, the understanding that we don't have a home and a, and a, and a work life. We, we bring our whole selves all the time and, and having that empathy to understand that people got stuff going on. Yeah. Um, that's what I would say. It all gets down to that human, kind of creating that connection of vision and purpose, courage, and then kind of connecting with people on, on a real level. That's really good. I don't have mm. anything to add to that. I really appreciate that. Um, and one last question before I let you go, before we close this yeah. out, um, and before we tell everyone how they can find you. And I like to ask this, uh, when I close out any interview, whether I'm just meeting with somebody for the first time or doing the podcast is if you could put anything and picture it, right. If you could put anything on a big blank billboard on the corner of the busiest street in your city, what would you put on there? What would it say? I love it. Oh my God. I love that question. Okay. So I know it would be bright orange for sure. Okay. Um, first of all, I know that, uh, not only is it my favorite color, but it's strength, happiness, and determination is orange. Um, and on it, I think I would say, um, you're more powerful than you think. And wow. it gets to, you know, the, our, our mindset and how to use that for, for good rather than evil. <laughs> I love that. You're more powerful then you think, well, Tammy, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, how can the, the audience or the viewers find you? Yeah, really easy. TammyHearman.com. So H-E-E-R-M-A-N-N.com. Okay. And yeah. I'm sure I can speak for them. Um, I, was a, you know, I was able to learn a lot more today, and I spent nine hours listening to this stuff a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I really appreciate you being on the show. I'm sure everybody else would agree. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much, Jared. See you, Tammy. Bye.